Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey, bro. It's Russo'sBrand.com. Get the real shoot for the most controversial personality in pro wrestling, Vince Russo. Stevie Richards Fitness. Hey, don't you think it's time for a band new you? Head over to StevieRichardsFitness.com and join the SRF resistance today. ProWrestlingTees.com. Get the coolest merchandise from your favorite independent pro wrestling talent worldwide. Head over to ProWrestlingTees.com and support indie wrestling today. The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your United States of America. Monday, March 2nd, 2020, and you are tuned into the simulcast of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Simulcast and presented as your Monday locker room from Hami Media. In association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com and now unleashed at NDPW.com. On this week's show, we're talking the coronavirus, AEW revolution, a ton of ROH, blood money, and of course, your Elimination Chamber go-home edition of Monday Night Raw and some NXT. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across professional wrestling world. Find the entire HTM podcast network online, hittingthemarks.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the guy who doesn't have the coronavirus yet he's the real rbv rick welcome back to your show it's me it's me it's that art of the b to v rick vickery and yes uh, i continue to survive i continue to exist this is uh, uh what has been an emotional weekend and surely today uh just as emotional it is the first day of life after babes cafe now jargo i i know you you've never been able to uh, I guess grace the the great individuals of Babe's Cafe with your presence, but you, you gotta feel a bit connected to it as as all the times that, that I've overly irritated you by trying to broadcast from there and all the recording issues. But for those that, that maybe aren't in the know, and anyone that's listened to us has, has heard about Babe's and knows that the, the history there that I've spent damn near a quarter of a century uh, is that is my regular and, and favorite watering hole. Uh, but unfortunately, all good things must come to an end. Uh, beginning of a new era, Babe's Cafe, 77 years in business, has been a staple on the west side of Cincinnati, finally closing their doors. Crazy. You know, it, it, I, obviously, I've never been there, but I do feel like I have been there at least 100 times. Because, And I think everybody who listens to this show has been to this bar. 
Like it, it's that local dive bar where you go in and you know everybody that hangs out there and you know that they're going to show up at 5.30 Monday through Friday and they like to be out of there by 7.30 because that's when you know the casuals start coming in and they don't want to put up with those kind of people. But either that or it happens to be dart night so everybody's there and wants to be there past bar close. Like it, it's that real kind of family atmosphere down home shithole bar. That's what Babes is, at least from my perspective. And let me tell you, I've been to Babes in Clinton, Iowa. I've been to Babes in Davenport, Iowa. I've been to Babes in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, you know, and it sucks when those places close down. But unfortunately, I've seen it happen time after time after time. It was funny there, you know, back in the day when business was was really, really booming. And as as I worked there as a bartender. Uh, I had one of the early shifts. And when I say early shifts, we used to open at 6.30 a.m. Eastern okay. every day. Get those third uh, and, shifters. Well, you get those third shifters, you know, and it sounds crazy to a lot of people, but that's their happy hour. Hell you yes. know, they just get it. It's, it's same with yourself, you know? Yep. And, you know, I always get like when in, you know, if I would work the late shift or something like that, you know, people would say, well, you know, my grandma's special. Well, just go home and go to bed. Well, when you get off work at five o'clock, do you go right home and go to bed? No, you need wind down time. Right. You, you got to relax. And then for those individuals that would be getting off at six in the morning, seven in the morning, it was their happy hour. They come on in. So by about 7.30 a.m., I would have a full bar of third shifters. Yep. And, it's, and it was always the same 25, 30 guys. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And as you were talking, you know, you always knew somebody. And it, it could have been you could show up at 6.30 in the morning. You could show up at 2 a.m. Any point in between any hours operation, you go in there, you go in there by yourself. There's three or four people that you know. And, and the funny thing is, you know everything about their lives except their last name. <laughs> yep. True story. Yeah. Carly actually uh, worked in a place like that when uh, I met her and started courting her. So, yeah. Shout outs to the double N, even though it's been gone for like three, four years now. Yeah. It's kind of sad. Uh, Huckleberry, also kind of sad. We got to talk about the coronavirus because the coronavirus is raising hell with my wrestling schedule. New Japan Cup and the New Japan Anniversary Show have been postponed. All the March dates through March 15th have been put on hiatus. It seems as though the coronavirus is just, it's taking over everything in Japan. And now it is making its way to the United States and everybody is losing their damn mind. I do want to propose, though, that we change the name of the coronavirus because obviously the Corona Beer Company, they're having a real tough time with this entire thing. Hell, people are getting on them about a new advertising campaign that they're getting ready to launch here in the spring. Rick, I think we need to call this the media outrage virus because the media is pouring gasoline on this fire like it's Donald Trump just got impeached. They just cannot shut up up about this damn thing it's incredibly ridiculous i was gonna it's funny that you you kind of bring into play there the beer the corona beer and who the hell named this thing what, what a terrible terrible happening for a certain brand i mean it, where the hell did they get the name for this thing did someone have like a vendetta or like they just going after corona beer uh, is obviously as ridiculous as it sounds. It's absolutely true, Jarko. This is it's taking a toll and affecting their sales and their bottom line. 
Well, yeah, and hell, just look at our economy. Look at the stock market. For, for God's sake, look at your 401k. I think everybody can can feel the effects of this thing. And it's just the media outrage. It's like all the media can talk about. It's the A block of every freaking media show from a local level all the way up through all the national 24-7 news outlets. They just cannot shut up about this thing. But absolutely. I, I don't think it's you know outrage by the media. It's just the media, once again, leeching themselves onto, uh, you know, whatever subject, a matter it might be, so that, they, so that they can just suck this thing dry, every little ounce of blood that they can get out of this thing to just cause panic and fear widespread across the board because that's what that's what our media has come to now. Uh, instead of actually trying to give you facts and, and, keep, and truly keep individuals informed, it's about creating panic and, and true fear and terror across the board. And that's absolutely what you're getting here. I mean, come on. It, it, this is a serious issue. That That is right. You know, there has to be precautions taken to try to correct uh, this, what's becoming a widespread outbreak. But I mean, you're just as likely to die from the flu. Oh, no. Oh, no. You're far more likely to die from the flu. You bring up, you know, facts and numbers, and that's kind of what we do here inside of the Monday locker room. It's almost like we had this planned, even though we didn't. Here's some information from a place called Hopkins University. You may have heard of it. They do a lot of medical kind of stuff there. When it comes to the coronavirus, this is as of February 28th, 2020. Approximately 84,119 cases worldwide, 62 cases in the United States. The flu, there's approximately 1 billion cases worldwide and 9.3 to 45 million cases in the United States per year. When it comes to actually dying of this, though, approximately 2,871 deaths reported worldwide as of February 28th, 2020. When it comes to the flu, 646,000. You are way more likely to die from the flu than you are the coronavirus. Everybody calm the fuck down. I'm not saying this isn't a big deal. I'm not saying we don't have to contain this thing before it gets all widespread. But you, the way the media is covering this thing, you would think it was the Black Death. Where did you get these stats from? Hopkins Medicine. Hopkins Medicine. Did, didn't you used to smoke weed with a Johnny Hopkins? Probably. I killed that brain cell. Come on, you don't get the stepbrothers reference. Come on. Yeah, no, I, I, I follow you. I follow you. But you get what I'm saying here. Like, yeah, ab absolutely. This is it's completely ridiculous. As you said, Jargo, I mean, there there is a need for, you know, some concern over this thing. But this absolute widespread panic, it, it, you know, who they that they just it, these leeches who they really sink their teeth into when it comes to this type of reporting. Oh, my God. I, like, I, I seriously cannot sit. And, and try to talk about news happenings and events with my grandparents anymore. <laughs> they, I mean, they take every bit of this that they hear and it, it's like gospel to them. Yeah. And it, it does. It, it has just people absolutely freaking out. Another, I guess another little tie here in the wrestling, you know, you get Saudi banning, you know, one of the many countries that are jumping on board with this thing, but banning flights, incoming flights, from other countries that they have have had reports of of the outbreak, 
Yeah, there was some concern that the, the yeah they got into Saudi all right, but it was can they get out of Saudi? That was the big question due to due to the way that they're restricting travel over there. Yeah, well they slid them in there okay. Uh, that was one of the first things because I had actually had been going through the the ticker and, and saw that Saudi had made that announcement, and the first thing was whoa they sure as hell uh, they well they got. They got the WWE superstars in there, okay? Yeah, good excuse to to strain them on a tarmac for sixteen hours, but they didn't. Uh, but you, you talk about people losing their collective minds. Uh, one of those people is Stephanie McMahon. Stephanie McMahon was asked about the coronavirus. I can barely even read this with a straight face. Here's the quote from Stephanie: "The health and safety of not only our fan base but also our superstars really does come first. We don't want to put anyone in a bad situation ever, regardless of the circumstance. Those are risks not worth taking. This in reference to a possible coronavirus outbreak and having to postpone WrestleMania down in Tampa. Rick, this is just absolutely absurd. Well, I'm sure you can see through this exactly what this is all about. This is WWE setting themselves up to pat themselves on their backs again when they come through and they they found a way to deliver for the fan. <laughs> we we truly we truly do care and value you know everybody's health and safety. You know, just just not our superstars or our actual you know people that we do employ or our independent contractors, but our fans. But because of how important WrestleMania truly is and what it means, the grandest spectacle of them all. We found a way to make this happen, and we did it for you because we're WWE, and by God, we are magnificent. Yeah, I I, I just thought that quote was fantastic. We don't want to put anyone in a bad situation ever. Yeah, I, I, I want to know ask who, who asked her. Who asked her the question? Oh, I don't remember some media outlet. What was it? Was it one of their reporters from the dot com? It wouldn't surprise me. Um, of course, we have heard that the uh, Olympics also in question because of the, the huge outbreak in Japan. Uh, now, now that is something that, that that's a serious conversation. Oh, man. You talk about the economic impact. Holy shit. That would be billions of dollars. Hell, it's billions of dollars to NBC just for the broadcasting rights. Yeah, that, that's actually a serious conversation to have. And I'm sure that it's one that we will have as things get closer. But first, we got to talk about AEW Revolution going down this Saturday night from up in Chicago as part of C2E2. Uh, Rick, I, I did a full review of this show with MSG, but nobody has heard your thoughts on it yet. It's kind of run through the card here. The Dark Order defeat SCU on the pre-show, nine minutes and 25 seconds. Um, and But really, this whole thing was about what would happen post-match. Number one, we get a run-in from Colt Cabana, who has now actually signed with All Elite Wrestling, both as a talent and as a color commentator. Uh, so basically doing the same job that he was doing for Ring of Honor. I did not like the Colt Cabana run-in, but I did like the Christopher Daniels run-in um, where he comes out basically dressed as the higher power, which I thought was a kind of cute little irony going all the way back to the Stone Cold Steve Austin thing. Um, Rick, th- this was all about basically establishing Christopher Daniels is not the leader of the Dark Order. It was basically a 15-minute segment to establish Christopher Daniels is not the leader of the Dark Order. Uh, absolutely. It, you know, the Colt 
the Colt signing is was kind of puzzling all around for me here. It, do, do you really feel that he he fits into or is going to help the direction of AEW? I mean, I, I think you know the world of Colt. I think is a tremendous performer. Uh, love this work with Ring of Honor. I'm just not sure if there'll be a connect inside of All Elite with it. I don't know. It, it depends on what version of Colt Cabana we get too, uh, because I, we see a much more serious Colt Cabana over in Japan. Yeah, he still gets his comedy spots in, but you also get to see Colt Cabana wrestle, and we're so used to seeing Colt as a comedy performer. Sometimes I think we forget how good he actually can be in the ring, but it sounds like to me, this is more so going to be like a backstage kind of player coach kind of role. Um, as well as the color commentating position. I, I can only speculate uh, of a booth upcoming with a play-by-play guy, Taz, and Colt Cabana for whatever this new show is going to be on Turner. I was going to say, they're, you know, they're building up. I know they've got the new program coming in, but and they, they are stocking the cupboard up with the commentators. Yeah. They absolutely uh, there's are. So many, so many different directions they can go in. And and I guess that was my biggest concern with with Cole is not so much the role of, you know, helping out backstage of, you know, whatever that role could be, coach, agent, things behind the scenes, you know, working the commentary. It is in that wrestling role is, is I'm wondering if, and I guess my, I guess, yeah, my worries on this is that they'll go heavily on the comedy end. And I don't know if there's much more room for that already on this AEW roster. Not when you already got Orange Cassidy. And I mean, we'll, we'll talk about his matchup with Pac, but I mean, I don't think there's any disputing. Like, I do not like Orange Cassidy. He is certainly not my flavor. But when you listen to that audience, you can't deny that Orange Cassidy is over as shit and people love this guy. Oh, especially with that audience. Uh, they absolutely, as you said, they they love him. Uh, it's incredible. You know, outside, you know, the reaction for Orange is right up there with like Jurassic Express. Yeah, uh, they absolutely love them. And I guess, you know, to speak to, more to the point here. Yeah, as you said, they were doing some business and you have to like that uh, to establish or seemingly establish that Christopher Daniels is not involved there. You know, it's professional wrestling. You can always get some kind of you know illogical swerve out of nowhere. Uh, but you know, I, I was really glad to see that they did this because for weeks now they've been teasing, teasing, teasing. And I'm you know, speaking personally. I just would have felt really disappointed if it actually had been Christopher Daniels. Agreed. So I, I'm glad that they just have finally said, okay, we're done with this direction inside of establishing this higher power who, you know, who's in charge of the dark order. Let's put that to rest. And now let's get to the next chapter in the story. Who do you want it to be? I mean, because now we're hearing that Matt Hardy in his debut in AEW seems imminent. It seems as though Brody Lee's debut in AEW is imminent. We know Lance Archer's debut in AEW is imminent. Do you have a pick? Who do you really want the leader of the Dark Order to be? It's and I don't know if it's, I mean, because it would be a little obvious to have it be Hardy, but sometimes in professional wrestling, uh, as I was I was having a conversation the other day with uh, promoter Battle on the Border Pro Wrestling, Dan Blevins, you know, he, he's all about the surprises and all that. And he was, we were talking about the Golden Ticket Battle Royal and who went over, a good friend of mine, Amos. And I, and I told him then, I said, from the very get-go, from the time that bell rang, when you started running out of entrance into this thing, I thought it had to be Amos. Anything else would have been disappointing for the journey that he has taken and how he's elevated himself. But you know, sometimes the obvious is fine because, you know, it's not about that destination. It's, not, it's that journey and, and how you get to there and that, that story you're telling. And I think they are bringing that intrigue, but I, 
almost think if it isn't Hardy, it, it ends up being a letdown. And you're setting up whoever that individual is up for a, a great chance of failure. I'm I'm actually wondering right now if they had somebody penciled in, they had a direction, but now they themselves, they're not set on that. They have that plan they could fall back on. You think it's the Black Scorpion? Oh, that would be great, wouldn't it? Well, no, I mean, like the, the way the Black Scorpion storyline right. played out, they, they yeah. had this idea and then they didn't know who they wanted to be under the hood and then it ended yes. up being Ric Flair. But, I mean, it, it kind of feels like that Black Scorpion, like, eh, I, you know, we're not sure I, we want to do I just went with that. the whole thing. I just went with the whole, I was just going to go literally with your statement, just make it the Black Scorpion. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, you know, they, I believe they had some different individuals under it before it was obvious that it was Flair. Yep. Uh, but even in that case, they had all doing the voiceover. Yeah. Yeah. The best bad storyline in the history of professional wrestling. Um, I still want it to be Kenny Omega. I mean, to me, that just, it, it feels like anything else. And I'm going to be disappointed because I, I, I feel like Kenny Omega needs to be the leader of the dark order. Uh, let's talk about Jake Hager. Jake Hager defeats Dustin Rhodes via submission in 14 minutes and 40 seconds. Rick, I thought this match was good, but I thought this match was out of place, which seems weird with it being the first match on the card. I just don't think this should have been the first match on the card. I think they should have opened with Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara and then went to Jake Hager versus Dustin Rhodes. Yeah, and opening with this, this was a peculiar card placement. Uh, this was one of those, you know, in my mind, and it, and I feel confident saying with so many because they did such a tremendous job in building this building to this match in this program. Uh, this was top three. This is one of the matches that people were coming to see. Uh, they, they had really become invested in, you know, outside of obviously the world championship and then Cody and MJF. This match was right there. It had tremendous storytelling, great build. You know, the fans were invested in this thing. It, Cody, not Cody. Uh, Dustin has been it's so magnificent since coming over to AEW. And you look up and down at this programming, the cards, whatever it might be, where you get your video game styles and your comedy spots. And Dustin continues to get it. Uh, it's just he's so masterful at his craft. And he really gets you to buy in with this. And, and what he brought to the table legitimately reestablishes Hager as now one of, you know, watch out for this dude in AEW. Really enjoyed the first half of the match when it seemed like Dustin was trying to break Hager's arm because that makes a lot of sense. And then they just completely abandoned that. Like the, the whole second half of the match had absolutely nothing to do with the arm story. And then you end with a submission where Dustin ends up passing out and it's like just a try an arm triangle. Like, well, I, I think it, you know what it I was mean? almost backwards. It's almost backwards where they should have they should have used the strategy of the second half of the match first and then flip, you know, flip flopped it. Yeah. And then where Justin Dustin settled in and was able to get Hager more out of like the MMA mode and into wrestling, where he started targeting that arm. And then you have out of nowhere you have Hager with that, you know, able to slap on a submission and and get the victory. Going forward, Dustin announces that he's moving to the tag team division. It's going to help my body tremendously, and QT Marshall is the right man. He's tough, and he's been in the business a long time. I think he deserves a shot. So we're going to have the tag team of Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall going forward with Brandy Rhodes as the team's manager slash secret weapon. 
Rick, do you like any of this? Because I understand that it's a great help for Dustin, given his age and the style inside of AEW. But QT Marshall and Brandy Rhodes as the managers? Well, you know, I'd love to see that the QTs get an opportunity. And as I, you know, just putting over, you know, how just how brilliant Dustin is and what he's going to bring to the table. This is absolutely going to, to help. QT, who's a tremendous hand, uh, get him more exposure, get him out there in front of that audience. It, it, I, they're really looking for that role somewhere that Brandy can fit in. And if I feel like that maybe they're trying to overpush that aspect. Uh, my whole issue with this is the timing of this announcement. I mean, you just lost a very personal feud. Uh, you just got put down by somebody. I mean, by all rights, you didn't want to just break their arm. You wanted to rip it off, and they just bested you. I would have been okay if they would have held off, waited for this announcement instead of rushing right into it. Like, okay, that's over. I'll just that's time to move on. Maybe have Dustin announce that he's you know going to retire, and then like QT Marshall talks him out of it and talks him into being his tag team partner. I mean, hell, you could do that on television over the course of like six weeks, and Dustin's not taking any bumps. Well, and I, I think, you know, that would have been jar. I think you, you nailed it there. You know, you try to get that word from him, but he's so dejected after that match that he, he's, you know, pretty much laying it out there, questioning, I don't know what to do now. I, I've got a lot. I need to go be alone or I need to go be with my family and reflect on everything that's just happened here. Uh, it's been one hell of a ride, but, you know, all the good things come to an end is, you know, I was talking earlier at the open about babes, you know, where it seriously is in question and you have that teaser going into this week's dynamite. And maybe there is nothing this week, but they're letting you know that they, they haven't been able to contact Dustin. Um, then you break the news going into next week. Okay. Shivani has over the course of the week, Shivani flew to his house. They sat down and had a one-on-one. We were, we will air that throughout next week's program. And then you get into the QT stuff, as you said there, Jargo. Then we've got six weeks, and that helps us build. And then those two could debut. Double or nothing in May. At double or nothing, yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, Darby Allen defeats Sammy Guevara. The match goes about five minutes, but there was also about five minutes of Darby Allen being a crazy psychopath going after the Spanish God before the match started. Uh, Rick, I thought this was supposed to be the blow off. Like we had like this entire program was built magnificently all the way down to Sammy Guevara starting to cut promos with the cue cards during the split screen on Dynamite. And then, you know, he takes away Darby's voice. Darby starts cutting the promos with the cue cards. I'm going to hit you up. Like, this thing was laid out perfectly. Darby Allen gets the win, which I find a little bit questionable because it seems like they're going to keep the feud going. Like, I don't feel like we accomplished anything here as cool as it was. Yeah, and, you know, I had asked you last week, you know, was this a match that, that Sammy needed to win? And I, I felt that he did. And I think, you know, go out here and steal one. I'm okay with this with this program going forward. I just said a little confusing that they would give Darby the win. I, I guess you think maybe it was because of the popularity. I mean, he, we're talking about, you know, Orange and Jurassic Express being loved. This crowd absolutely loves Darby Allen, it, it, rightfully so. I've regularly been saying that he is going, he defies size. He, he's breaking the mold. He has seemingly has that it factor, and there is that connection. And you can absolutely the way that he uses his body, and 
we regularly talk about the difference today with the dot dot the dot dot dives and the floor routines going back to in comparison to the cruiserweight division of WCW, the, the Guerreros, the Malenkos, the Psychosis, all of those were back then they looked natural. It, it looked like they were legitimately, go, you know, going at it into a, a real fight. And that's how it flowed. It didn't seem so or over choreographed. And you get that with Darby. Like you, you could trust and buy in to what he's presenting. Uh, Sammy on the other side, he's got great charisma. This is a program that that I could seriously get behind for quite a while, and they need something like that uh, to a uh, long term establish through this mid card. Absolutely. Let's talk about the Omega Hangover. The Omega Hangover defeat the Young Bucks in 30 minutes and 56 seconds to retain the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Few people surprised by that, but I don't know why, because all anybody wants to do right now is cowboy shit. People are into the cowboy shit. Hangman Page is over as fuck right now. Uh, Kenny Omega booed in this match. Matt Jackson booed in this match. Nick Jackson booed in this match. Every time Hangman Page would get tagged in, everybody wanted to do cowboy shit or fuck him up, Hangman, fuck him up. Hangman Page is over as fuck. You cannot turn him heel right now. You cannot do it. It has to be Kenny. Kenny has to join the Dark Order. Perhaps that's how the Dark Order end up winning the AEW Tag Team Championships. But Hangman Page is your lead baby face going forward without any question. And, you know, so many individuals, you know, if, if it be here on, you know, our platforms, hittingmarks.com, the Hameen Media Group, it, 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 across the board, you know, Jim Cornette, uh, something to wrestle with, it, it, all the, any of the personalities that Conrad gets to work with, uh, they had talked to, you know, they were asked these questions and people were wondering, oh, you can't have a drunk guy as a, as a baby. He's, you know, he's. Even should they even be betraying this? Should they be talking about someone having a problem with drinking and, and so forth? Hey, and I was one of those people. I said, hey, everybody loves a fun drunk. And they, absolutely. This is holding 100% true here. This thing is over like Rover. You get so many of the comparisons to a Stone Cold. You know, to me, this, this screams more of what we could have seen a potential if you had – I, I don't know. I don't want to call it a bigger stage because at the time they, they were doing tremendous numbers. Uh, but this is like the 2.0. Let's get it right of what James Storms could have been. Yes, that's a great comparison is Cowboy James Storm. Uh, I, I In talking with MSG, I said Hangman Page needs to become somewhere between Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Undertaker. That's what I want to see out of Hangman Page. I want Kenny Omega to turn on Hangman, join the Dark Order, become the Exalted One. Hangman Page maybe even changes up the look a little bit. Like maybe he goes to the long trunks with boots or something, come out in the trench coat, and do that basically rather than a true cowboy, go gunslinger. That's what I want to see out of Hangman Page, a gunslinger who enjoys his brew. He doesn't necessarily get along with anyone, but he gets along with everyone as long as you've got beer. Well, and, you know, just speaking to the Kenny situation, he absolutely needs something right now. Yes. Uh, ever since the launch of AEW, Kenny Omega has continually taken step after step after step backwards. 
he he seems so far removed from the best bout machine. And and now you're you're really beginning to see people even question if if that was Kenny or if that was more of his dance partners over there. If it was because of Okada or Naito or whoever it might have been, does Kenny actually have it himself? I, I think a lot of this is something that you've talked about from the very beginning, Jargo, and it is that although they are VPs and all that, they are the heads of this company. They're the ones driving the train. They are neglecting themselves as true stars. It's just the same thing could be said for the Bucks. They needed to have elevated themselves if they were going to be the faces and be the standouts in the true draws that you know that many people believe they are. There was also something else that happened during this match that we have to address, and that's Kota Ibushi. Kota Ibushi once again raises his ugly head during a Kenny Omega match. Did you catch that, Huckleberry? Golden Trigger? Yeah, that was the Kamagoye from both of the Young Bucks to Kenny Omega. That was a straight shout-out to Kota Ibushi. And if you go out and you watch last week's Being the Elite, they talked about how they had to change Kenny's Tron because those people over there, they hate you. Rick, I'm telling you, I still feel like this whole freaking thing is about Kota Ibushi. You and your golden lover conspiracy. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Uh, let's talk about the, well, let's talk about Marty Skrull. Would, would they be renamed the Corona Lovers? The Corona Lovers? That's awful. That's awful. Um, let's talk about Marty Skrull. Uh, Hangman Page, couple of shout outs to Marty, even got to see the chicken wing at one point during this match, which immediately got the entire internet community to collectively lose their fucking minds. Rick, we're going to talk quite a bit about Ring of Honor and Mar what Marty's doing down there. Do you think Marty is headed for all elite pro wrestling? Was this a tease for the villain or was this just a shout out from the hangman? I think it's, it's just more shout out. You know, this is. One of those things, let's see how many people are going to pick up on this thing. Marty's locked in. Marty's got a lot of great things going on here. I, I'm not going to completely rule out. Maybe you see somewhere where we get, once again, we see a working relationship, but uh, nothing to really overread into. You know what I think it is? I think now we know why Hangman Page is drinking. It was after the death of Marty Skrull. All of his friends are dead. You know, after Marty died, that's what that's when Hangman started drinking. That's the real root of his alcoholism is the villain, Marty Skrull. Makes Remember sense. when uh, who who was it? Was it Marty that got flipped drunk? Yeah, I think so. I think that was Marty and Flip Take Japan, wasn't it? Yeah, it didn't end up uh, it was non-alcoholic or whatever. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Uh, not fantastic stuff. Nyla Rose versus Chris Statlander match goes 12 minutes and 45 seconds. It was the drizzling shits, especially coming off of that tag team match. They did not stand a chance. Chris Statlander has the flu, which is way more common than the coronavirus. Um, and Rick, this just was not good. It was not good at all. Hmm. Well, you know, when we're talking about deadly and, and, Potential to kill. Uh, you got the coronavirus, the flu, and then when it. So, is the women's division like the flu and the coronavirus of ratings? Kind of for AEW, a little bit. And I and I had in my notes here. I want to talk to you because I, I really don't have much to say about this match as a as 
as a whole, Drizzling uh, it's, shits. It, it, it's pretty much come to exemplify what we can expect from this division. Uh, it went about 12 minutes too long, in my opinion. Uh, but one of the headlines that really jumped out, you know, to me over later last week and throughout the weekend is even Cody, you know, coming out and asking that fans be patient with with this division. And, and I wanted to ask you, Jargo, do you feel like that's a fair statement from Cody? Uh, is it something that he should come out and say, hey, you know, just give us time. We're working on this thing. Or is it, you know, just shut up and put up? Don't ask for us to you know, to bend over and, and cut you slack for something you're clearly dropping the ball at here. Uh, and by the way, ask Cody, it, one of the individuals that's heavily involved inside this division is your wife. So there's a finger to point there. There's a finger to point at Kenny Omega. Is it, Jari, I just very basically, is it okay for them to ask this from us or is this on them? Man, I feel like I, I might as well cue the Booker T music because I'm pretty sure I'm about to get some heat. Um, I, I'm sorry. I don't feel like the women's division anywhere outside of NXT and the, the Joshi promotions, um, Shine, Stardom. I think they're all the drizzling shits. That includes Monday Night Raw. That includes Friday Night SmackDown. We seriously overvalue that WWE women's division because of all of the propaganda that the WWE has shoved down our freaking throats. The women's evolution is basically the coronavirus of freaking professional wrestling. Outside of Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, and now Shayna Baszler, the red and the blue divisions are the drizzling shits. Did you see that matchup between Naomi and Carmella a couple of weeks ago on SmackDown? If that would have been an AEW, the internet wrestling community would have been all over their ass. We seriously overvalue that women's division on the red and the blue because outside of about three women, there is no women's division on the red and the blue. NXT has the best women's division in the world and they can still only tell two stories at a time. Absolutely. When you look at the talent there, and you know, I was you know, talking with, with Big Ray last week about this, as anybody that wants to go back and check out a, a complete review from, from Super Showdown, from the Blood Money, whatever it might be, you can find that over at uh, hackerhameen.podbeam.com. But you're looking at the, the amount of depth inside of NXT in a performance center. But yet they they refuse to elevate that. Yeah, and as you said, Jocker, there's only so many stories that they can tell on the two hours of weekly programming from the women's division, it, it, you know, inside NXT. Why are we not take why are we not taking some of that that mid roster that's there almost to help set up that younger crop? Why aren't we taking them and bringing them up? You telling me right now you don't make an immediate impact no pun intended there if for red or blue if you insert uh mercedes martinez a candace LeRae, um mia yam you immediately take that thing not just one or two notches up you're 10 time fold you're much better than this complete absolute garbage outside yes of Charlotte, who is in her in her own level, Becky is simply there because of I mean the, the persona, the character work, the push right there. I'm not, I'm still not an over the top fan of of her in ring work. So robotic and needs to be placed in it so many times. And then obviously Baszler, who 
and just got there. She hasn't even had a cup of coffee just, yet. Well, just got there, and then hell, you throw a major hurdle in front of her coming out of the gate with that damn cheesy ass blood spot. Yeah, I mean, it, we can rip on the AEW women's division all we want. The thing is, as far as mainstream wrestling goes, outside of NXT. It's pretty much the shits everywhere right now. And don't even don't even try to justify that Bailey and Sasha Banks bullshit because ain't neither one of them had a good match in like three fucking years. And they're to the point where no one no one really cares anymore. Uh, they they should have to, to this point. They could have been printing their own money with Bailey's face on it. They botched that years ago. Is that the worst one in history? Like, I can't remember anybody in history that you had a license to print money with, like Bailey, where they fucked it up so badly. Absolutely. Uh, we could probably do some research, but, I mean, it's got to be up there. It's in the conversation. Uh, when we are talking about those divisions, I'm glad that you said mainstream because there is you know, some out there uh, that are, are tremendous. There's tremendous women's talents out there. I can't in, wait for Shimmer and Shine WrestleMania week. Those were two of my favorite shows last year. Well, you know, one of the best programs out there, and it doesn't get a whole lot of attention, but I, I know you're into it. Uh, you've done some great interviews with their talent. Wow. Yeah. Uh, they do a tremendous job. And there's probably a lot of people that are listening to who are going to give us heat because we're not putting over the impact women's division. I, I've never you mean Tessa Blanchard? Tessa Blanchard is the entire freaking division. There's there's some in there. Like, uh, damn, why can't I think of her name here? She was the ex champ, Morrison's wife. Oh, Taya? Taya. And I've, I never like Taya. Been, I've never been high on her. I've never been high on Jordan Grace. And Rosemary to me is basically the equivalency of an evil Alexa Bliss, where like all the character work is just freaking spot on. Give her a microphone. She'll cut you one hell of a promo. And then the bell rings and she can go out and have an okay match. And I was going to say, you know, I, I, I like Taya's work. I've never been big on Grace. I feel the same way with about Rosemary as you do. Uh, but I know another division, but it's not mainstream that I did want to put out there that if if anyone is interested in women's wrestling, this is a, a must see to go check this out. Great, great in-ring work, great characters, great personas. Uh, and that's down at OVW, I've Ohio Valley Wrestling. Good stuff down there. Yeah, sim- simply great. You know, two at the very top there that really stand out. Well, they just actually, uh, Madison Rain just captured their their women's championship. Uh, they've they've got a, a tremendous young talent, Callie, who's began work with uh, with Wow. Uh, she's incredible, and she's really developing as as a persona. They're doing a lot of that character work with her right now. Uh, but the two that really stand out to me down there is Megan Bain and Maxine Taylor. Uh, absolutely on another level. Great looks, great great athletes, just tremendous professional wrestling wise. Don't you wish that Sarah Logan was more Maxine Taylor? Oh, wow. And you talk about like, she's a half ass Maxi Impaler. That's, that's what Sarah Logan feels like to me. Yes. Yeah. I'd I'd say that a half ass version of it. Yep. MJF defeats Cody 24 minutes and 40 seconds after MJF knocked that son of a bitch out with one punch. It was beautiful. Cody got everything that was coming to him. You can hear all about that on AEW Saturday night where I put over MJF huge. 
huge for finally exposing Cody as the fraud that he is. People talking about this dynamite dozen ring. Wardlow clearly took that off of MJF's finger and put it in his pocket. That was just a one-punch knockout. Straight like Tyson Fury and, and freaking Wilder shit. Did you hear they're doing a rematch for that shit already in July? Yeah, I was, I was a little disappointed. I know we missed sports this week. We were going to talk about that. I, I, was, I was a little disappointed to hear that they're going to go through with this thing. They had 30 days. Wilder had 30 days to what, activate the, the rematch clause. Yeah. Which is fine, but already in July? Well, it's even the even having that matches, you're continuing to focus on those two inside of your division. You, know, you and I spoke pre-fight about that. Is okay, this is great. This attention is incredible. We haven't seen this this hype and this excitement around the heavyweight division of boxing in so long. But as as you and I do, Jargo, you know, we're we're not looking at that moment. We're looking ahead. We're two or three steps down the road here. What would be, you know, what's the next move to keep riding this hot streak? I would have liked them seen him gone in a different direction. But with all that being said, if you're a wilder, you know, if it was about you having to go through a few other fights, you know, that's a lot easier said than done. And, you know, especially inside of, you know, a combat sport like that, you don't leave money on the table. So I absolutely understand that. You know, he could go out there and try to take up one of these other challengers instead of, if he wins three matches or whatever within a year or so, then we're talking, you know, that that purse, that jackpot has doubled and tripled. But if someone catches him, then he's worth damn nothing. near nothing. Yep. Uh, so MJF getting Cody, exposing him as the uh, punk ass bitch that he is. Obviously, he went to the same tattoo artist as Mike Tyson, got that awful tattoo on his neck. Um, Rick, which was worse, Cody's neck tattoo or downstate uh, playing Cody's entrance music on the way to the ring? Because I thought both of them were fucking awful. Oh, man, that's a, that's a coin flip in it. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> Well, I guess, I guess the neck tattoo is far more permanent than the, the awful entrance. Yeah, music, I, and you know, yeah, we can, I guess even in remembering Revolution, they could go and edit out the music, but that tattoo is going to be there for uh, a long, long time. Yeah, just not not a good look. Um, what'd let, you me, th- let me ask you, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, I thought you were going to move on real quick. Oh, I was just going to say, what'd you think of the match? Uh, this was one of those things. This is what you came to see. This was the marquee. Tremendous build to this thing. You're absolutely invested 100% in this thing. I, I enjoyed it. You know, it, before this whole journey really started, you and I would go round and round uh, about, you know, where Cody stood. And it, it you're real high on those. You, you like the star ratings. You're all about those things. To me, I, I've never been sold on it. Uh, but yeah, you know what you're getting with Cody. And that's emotion. That's what professional wrestling should should stand on. Uh, so I enjoyed this thing. Now, as just talking in the boxing situation, we're talking about going forward. That's what I wanted to talk to you about. Where do you see these guys going forward, and particularly MJF? What's next? Well, that's the interesting thing because MJF is undefeated inside of AEW. Uh, he just got a win over the number two ranking individual and Cody, even though Cody can't challenge for the championship, we now have a babyface world heavyweight champion. Wouldn't it seem logical that MJF versus John Moxley could be a real possibility going forward? And if so, I feel like that's over MJF's head right now. 
absolutely. I think, you know, this, this program with Cody, especially with Cody being removed from the title situation for the time being, this is exactly what they needed. You know, this was that second marquee program that, that was at, that was so hot in the build had people tuning in each and every week. I mean, this, the buzz, you know, in so many professional wrestling circles is, is how brilliant this, this program was put together. But I, well, I'm with you, Jargo. I don't think that he's quite ready to make that next move. And I think, you know, really, he is hot right now, MJF. Moxley's hot as your champ. I think people would really be into that. But I think if you wait, if you can wait for that thing, you're going to see a serious payday. You'll see serious hype. What I would like to see out of MJF right now, hey, you, you had the knockout punch there. And it, it, now we're starting over the course of this weekend. I saw a, a number of conversations about AEW looking at adding that, that second tier championship. I would like to see that highlighted by MJF himself in the ring. Have him start defending it where if you can best him, which you can't because he's better than you, then, but if, if you know, the, the sun shines on a dog's ass every now and then if, if by some fluke, you can best him, he will give you the ring. But if not, and when he puts you down, you will graciously get down on a knee and kiss the ring. I guess here's my problem. I could see them doing MJF versus John Moxley for the AEW championship. I think the promos will be really, really good, especially MJF's promos against Moxley, because you know he's going to call him Dean the entire time, and it's going to be absolutely freaking hilarious. If you can drag that out to the point, like with Cody, where you just want to see Moxley shut this kid up, because Moxley, if as a first title defense, you know Moxley is going to retain the title. He's going to win the match. MJF is still undefeated. I could see his only loss coming to the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. Like, would you really lose a whole lot in doing this matchup? The only thing is, the match itself is not going to be that great. Yeah, I mean, very, very drastic styles all the way around. And it, and it would work absolutely amazing in the build to this thing. They said the promos and, and any, the, any of that interaction. Uh, but the different styles inside of just their technique, how well is that going to mesh? That's going to be uh, a big deal breaker or potential deal breaker in this thing. And I think that's why we need to wait on this thing. Let's get these two to know each other a little bit more and, and really build where you've got some serious steam behind that program going in there. Uh, and just before they even really hook up, you know, there's still a lot of room for MJF to grow. And I know that sounds, I know that sounds crazy, but it's, it's a, a truth with it. Especially between the ropes, because I mean, let's be honest, MJF would fit great into an NWA kind of context. The problem is the bell has to ring and this is a work rate promotion, whether you want it to be or not. I mean, did you see what Kenny Omega hangman page and the young bucks were doing? I mean, I just don't think that they could put on a world championship match unless it was like a dynamite main event. It just doesn't feel like pay-per-view worthy to me. Now, see, to me, like I, when you go back and you're talking about, you know, the tag match and all that, there was, there's just, when you get down with those guys, or a lot of so many times inside this tag division, there's just so much going on. That, to me, it's an overkill. 
I think maybe one of the, the biggest disappointments in professional wrestling right now is the AEW tag division. Because of you know what you're calling work rate to me is overexposure. Interesting. Uh, let's talk about Pac. Pac defeats Orange Cassidy in a match that goes 13 minutes. Rick, I'm obviously an, an Orange Cassidy hater. I have been for a very, very long time. But I can recognize that fans enjoyed this. I guess my question to you is, did this actually work? And in saying that, my definition of did this actually work did it help Orange Cassidy get any more over than he already was? And did it not damage Pac going 13 minutes with Orange Cassidy? Because to me, Pac should be clearly the matchup against John Moxley. Uh, clearly, there's cons to that as well. Well, this, you know, this week has really been kind of perplexing with Pac. Going back to the Iron Man match, uh, then, then you've got this here. To me, yeah, it's you know we we're talking about his MJF that that next competitor. I, I think it would have been a tremendous fit to put Pac in that. But then you also have to consider then you're doing again two former WWE guys feuding over the AEW Championship, and people are already talking a whole bunch of shit about that. I, I'm okay with that, absolutely. I have to get over yourself if you're going to take an issue with that. 100, I do not buy into it. I, I've seen. You know, a lot of, oh, they should, they got to be putting over their own start. No, this is about establishing, still establishing the company. And you're getting it. There's a reason that they went to the WWE because they're very, very talented. And you want to have your very, very talented and your best of your best, no matter where they came from. You know, you want to have them shining right now. They're going to bring the eyes in. Those are your marquees. Those are your main events. And then while people are coming to your program, they're tuning in to see those familiar names and see those styles and those stars. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. You know what I really liked about this show, too? What's what's this Darby Allen kid all about? What's right. this MJF kid all about? That's the trick. That's you're using them as the hook. And then that's your bait to pull them in. But what's going to make them stay and continue to grow with you? Or these younger talents. It's, I, I don't understand why suddenly people are having a problem with this. When this is how damn near every promotion ever has worked. I mean, why did we fall in love with the cruiserweights in WCW? Because we were tuning in to see the Hollywoods and then the Halls and the Nashes. How many times back then, every pay-per-view was headlined by one of Hogan's old rivals, right? a piper, uh, a warrior, whatever it might be. We were bitching back to, oh, this is just, a, this was a WrestleMania 2 main event. Oh, this is just WrestleMania 6. You know, but you tune in for that. That, that. That's who was putting asses in the seats and bringing eyes in. But then you fell in love with these other talents and you wanted to, you stuck with it to watch them grow. That's what they're doing right now. Yep, Absolutely. So let's talk about it. John Moxley defeats Chris Jericho 22 minutes and 20 seconds to win the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. Now the youngest AEW World Champion in history. Uh, Rick, right after the match, John Moxley, he had this to say backstage. I'm feeling, uh, feeling pretty fucking good about it, to be honest with you. Like, uh, 
plus 25. A moment like that, when I'm a little bit, uh, a little bit more anger, angry, have a little bit more temper tantrum tendencies. Guy like that, he's got the inner circle out there. He's gonna try to get me off my game. He's gonna talk mad crap. He's gonna say Jericho will say anything about your mother, your sister, or whatever, and you gotta stay just focused and not just focus on task at hand and get the job done. Because I just knew, I'd like I said, I just knew in the bottom of my heart this man can't pin me. He cannot submit me. He will not beat me. He's gonna have to kill me. He's gonna have to knock me out, and I don't think he can do it. So. I'm gonna have to have eyes in the back of my head and make sure I don't get tripped up by all these obstacles. He's been trying to throw every obstacle at me for the last two months, from stabbing me in the eye, from trying to trick me into joining it's a stupid group, from beatdowns, getting jumped, throwing assassin at me, and I've survived all these things. And the whole time, just stay focused on the task, getting execute, get the job done, and that. uh that feeling of satisfaction, a piece of work, that artistic satisfaction, eight weeks of beginning to end, a piece of work. It's like popping fucking bubble wrap. It's so satisfying. It, it's, it's why we do this. And to be standing there in the arena full of 6,000 people who are just so happy and they've been on the ride and been on the journey. And it just, you know, it's, it, it's, it's like a painting I can hang on my wall and I can always look at. Well, there you go, Huckleberry. It feels fucking great. That's exactly what I would expect somebody from Ohio to say. It feels fucking great. How articulate you people are. Um, Rick, I loved everything about this. Because in the ring after the match... They have a special T-shirt for John Moxley with the AEW championship on it with Mox looking like it's spray painted over the top. And then on the back, it says, I was there. We get backstage and they're interviewing the guy who just won the World Heavyweight Championship. And those are the comments that you hear there. Rick, this was just like somebody just won the Super Bowl. Somebody just won a World Series. Somebody just won a major championship, and this is how you treat it. This was fucking great. This is the sports-like presentation that they were talking about. You know, and absolutely, uh, I, not just Ohio, Jargo, but Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> and, and as I sit here on the west side of Cincinnati, you, you bring up a, a tremendous point. Uh, so proud to, to have a champion bring a championship to the city. You know, I it's when we wrap up this record, yeah, you know, I'm just a few miles away. I, I'm probably going to head on down to Norwood, the Norwood area where Mr. Moxley born and raised. Uh, I'm going to swing by the mayor's office and, and make sure that, and see how the, the plans are going for the parade, the celebration that I am sure that, that they are planning down there. I, I, I thought AEW was banned in Cincinnati. I, I saw a story about that just the other day that they were banned in Cincinnati because the WWE uh, has an agreement with the, uh, the big arena there in town. That arena sucks. Well, there you go. They'll, they just go across the river. There's um, Northern Kentucky University has, has a tremendous venue. So I would expect AEW will slide in here. And, you know, when it, when it gets to that, when you get to that, to that argument there, you know, Northern Kentucky, Southeast Indiana, the Cincinnati area, or the tri-state area, if you will, we're all kind of like, uh, 
like outsiders or rejects from our own state. So we've come together. So we're like our own little happy hub of, of weirdos down here. Yeah. You even have your own delicacies that you call chili. AEW Blood and Guts coming up March 25th. Rick, I love that they are calling this show Blood and Guts. I just thought that was absolutely fantastic. This is basically going to be war games. MSG was all excited that we were going to get to be able to sit down and record another pay-per-view review. And then I had to inform him this is not going to be on pay-per-view. This is going to be live on TNT. This is an episode of Dynamite Blood and Guts edition. And it's basically going to be... Well, it's fucking war games, man. I, they can call it whatever the hell they want. They can call it the match beyond whatever the hell they want to call it. It's two rings, one big fucking cage. This is going to be war games, and I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be interesting to see where we start into this build and how we're going to line these things up. Uh, so have you got any preferences of how you want to see this thing work? It's got to be inner circle versus the elite, right? That's what I was kind of thinking here, but you know, uh, real quick, you know, we we we're so high on you know the Moxley win in the conversation there. You know, what's what's in store for Jericho right now? I know he's got some stuff coming up. Is he's he going to have to step tour. back a little bit? He's You're going right. on tour with Fozzie. So when it comes to Inner Circle, I mean, who's going to to really step up here? It's got to be Sammy, doesn't it? Sammy's got to be the 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 guy on the stick talking all the shit. It's got to be Sammy Guevara. Does he's scream that leadership type to you no no but he screams he screams that i'm chris jericho's personal assistant and i am going to repeat exactly what chris jericho said to me here let me read it to you off of my phone okay i I get that i I, i'm okay with that that kind of playing where jericho still is the leader but he's gone so now they all have to kind of up their game a little bit and they all have certain roles that are really going to begin to shine Every once in a while, maybe you get a pre-tape from Jericho that you can kind of fit in there. And hey, well, you know who was really impressive? Who was um, when Moxley was it? Santana, Santana? that I mean, he cut an incredible promo he's a, a few weeks ago. Talker. Uh, so you know he's going to be allowed to shine now a little bit more. Uh, I think going back to the opening on on this card here for Revolution is we're going to see the elevation of Hager. And there was always tremendous potential there for him. I I think what's really going to be a tremendous dynamic is where he's going to need it is more work with him and Sammy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can see that too. That, that could be a very, very fun pairing. Um, Other potential contenders for John Moxley. We talked about MJF. We talked about Pac Lance Archer. I mean, could, could you go back to the, the new Japan history with Moxley beating Archer at Wrestle Kingdom and the bloody fight that was, could you do that? Without, I don't know if they're going to want to over acknowledge that. And with with Archer coming into this, I want them to take their time with him. I think they have a potential to have a true mega star on their hands here. But one of the, it seems that one of the flaws in their logic with AEW is when they introduce people, they expect that everyone already knows what's going on. They're really catering to that that audience that's always going to be there with them. They need to think bigger. They need to begin to build true stars in AEW, not relying on what we may or ultimately do not know about them outside of this promotion. You know, WWE got a lot of heat. They regularly continue to. 
But especially back in a day where it was, okay, we're going to bring you in from the territory, but we're going to slap, we're rebranding you. We are about, this is a whole new existence inside the WWE universe. Even back in the 80s, we're going to build you in how we see you. We're going to build you under our spotlight, make you a WWE star. They need to kind of have that mindset with AEW to a certain extent. Now, I'm not saying, you know, that you have to go all to the same lengths as WWE where we're going to completely change everything about you so that you're almost unrecognizable. But there are some philosophies there and some, I guess, that foundation, those principles that you need to follow. And let him rise up through the ranks where we can really get behind him, figure out what he's all about before, you know, just throwing him in to a main event program like this. Not to be outdone, ROH had two big shows over the course of this weekend. Hell, they even have a new world heavyweight champion that we'll talk about here in just a couple minutes. Um, It just feels like it's been buried by this Moxley news. It was like nobody was talking about ROH this weekend. Bound by Honor went down on Friday night. Run through the results here quick. Marty Skrull defeats Bandito and Slex. Shout out to our boy Jimmy T who keeps telling me what a big deal Slex is. And I'm still just I don't get it. Um, because he feels like he is just an Australian version of Joe Hendry. Joe Hendry, now the tag team partner of Dalton Castle. Those two defeat PJ Black and Brian Johnson, as well as Vincent Bateman and Tracy Williams and Mark Haskins. Nicole Savoy defeats Angelina Love in your customary Women of Honor match that we have to have on the card, even though it sucks. Flip Gordon and Brody King defeat the team of Roosh and Kenny King by disqualification when Roosh and Kenny King basically just lose their shit and start throwing chairs and it turns into an all-out war between Villain Enterprises and La Faction and Gobernable. Rick, I have a feeling this is going to be something that we are going to see a lot of in the upcoming months from Ring of Honor, these two factions going at it. Uh, it it really seems that they built this way. I mean, we're talking about teams that, you know, who could compete inside AEW's war games. You'd love to see these guys hook up in something like that. Hell yes. And props to Kenny King. I got to give props to Kenny King because he actually went out and got himself new gear. He actually looks like he belongs in LIJ now. It's very nice to see. LSG and Eli Isom, they had a match. It went to no contest because Bully Ray's got to come out and beat up the young boys, of course. Bully Ray grabs a microphone and says, listen. All you damn internet smart fans that sit in your mother's basement and type away on your Twitter machines, you all want Bully Ray fired. Well, guess what? They can't fire me from Ring of Honor because I have an ironclad contract because I'm smarter than the people at Ring of Honor, just like I'm smarter than all you sons of bitches sitting out there in the crowd. Otherwise, you would be in this ring. So I'll tell you what. Here's what we're going to do. Anybody that I have not faced before inside of Ring of Honor. So not the veterans. I've got dirt on all the veterans back there. They ain't going to step up to me. But any of you young boys, if you can beat me, I will walk away from Ring of Honor. I will fire myself. I will be done with this place if any of you young boys can beat me. Eli Isom says, all right, bully. 
Let's fight. I can beat you. And then Bully Ray whips his ass. It takes him all of about 30 seconds. And then even after the bell, Bully Ray continues to whip this boy's ass just for talking shit about him on a microphone to the point that Cheeseburger has to come out and make the save. That doesn't work so well for Cheeseburger. He gets annihilated. And then Caprice Coleman comes down off of the announcing desk and gets in the ring. And he says, Bully, it's just it's too much. It's too much. You got to stop. It's too much. Rick, this is the match I never knew that I wanted to see. I want to see a Caprice Coleman versus Bully Ray. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to see this here. Uh, I actually I got some highlights off of this one, and I actually absolutely checked this one out. Uh, I was a little disappointed in you, Jargo. I mean, I know you're regularly there to make the save for Cheeseburger, uh, but you, you let him down here. Yeah. Yeah, I, I ain't fucking with Bully. I mean, it's that simple. I ain't fucking with Bully. Even though everybody that comes on our show buries him, which is absolutely hilarious. Lethal Suction defeat two guys in one tag to retain the ROH Tag Team Championships. They take out Silas Young's knee very, very early on in the match, and they just put the whooping on Woods and Silas Young. Lethal Suction retaining the championships. Then we got a very, very strange match, Rick. Alex Shelley defeats Ray Horace. Like, this match just fell out of nowhere. But they're putting over Alex Shelley because he's going to be part of the Pure Tournament, and he was part of the very, very first Pure match that ever happened inside of Ring of Honor. So I'm like, oh, we're going to push Alex Shelley a little bit. Then I saw what happened on night two, and that's not the case. The Briscoes defeat Jeff Cobb and Dan Moff which was kind of perplexing considering that Jeff Cobb and Dan Moff are owned a championship shot at lethal suction. So now the Briscoes are claiming that they are owed a title shot as well, because fuck, we just hand out title shots in ring of honor. That's what we do. And then we have PCO PCO defeats dragon Lee to retain the ROH world heavyweight championship. Rick, this was champion versus champion, even though only PCO's championship on the line. This was really more of a preview for what we would see at Gateway to Honor on Saturday night. Angelina Love defeats Session Moth Martina because, you know, she just debuted, so it's time she starts taking some losses. Makes absolutely no freaking sense. Dan Moff defeats Alex Shelley. Like, what the fuck? I thought we were going to push Alex Shelley to get him ready for this pure championship. Told this great story with him. And then Dan Moff just goes out there and fucking eats him up, man. Like, welcome back to Ring of Honor. I just, I don't get it. What are we doing with Alex Shelley? Well, I didn't, you know, he's just sitting on the other side of that with Moff taking that loss the night before here. Uh, just really all over the place inside some of the booking decisions. Yeah, lots of 50-50 booking. Maybe that's what Marty's going to be known for. The Righteous. Yeah, I, I like that. We, now, Vincent's group, they actually have a name now. They're called The Righteous. Vincent and Bateman defeat two guys in one tag. Young still suffering from that knee injury the night before, thanks to lethal suction. Villain Enterprises, the team of Marty, Brody, and Flip, defeats Lex and the Briscoes. The Briscoes don't seem to like Slex very much either, Jimmy. Sorry about your luck there. Dalton Castle defeats Kenny King, Jeff Cobb, and Tracy Williams. Rick, I got to share this with you. Quinn's got a new favorite wrestler. Guess who Quinn's favorite new wrestler is? Jeff fucking oh. Cobb. I was going to say, okay, I can see that. I can see... Uh Little Quinn getting down with Jeff Cobb. Like the monster Matanza Cueto. 
My little girl's new favorite wrestler. She just freaking loves Jeff Cobb. It's hilarious. Lethal Suction defeat the team of Ray Horace and Bandito in a proving ground match. That was nice to see because we've seen the challengers win those matches far too much lately. Dragon Lee defeats Dak Draper to retain the ROH TV championship. And then we get to your main event. Roosh versus PCO for the ROH World Heavyweight Championship. Oh, yeah, and Mark Haskins, he's in the match, too. And, Rick, the stipulation here is whoever's not involved in the finish then gets a title shot at 18th anniversary in a singles match. So the guy that gets pinned is completely out of the equation, and that man happened to be the ROH World Champion, PCO, pinned by Roosh after Nick Aldis rears his ugly head, smacks sweet, sweet Charlotte up against PCO's dome. No jumper cables around. Roosh hits the bull by the horns and puts down PCO. So Roosh now, a two-time ROH champion, joining the likes of Jay Lethal, Jay Briscoe, and Austin Aries. He's got one more to go before he ties the greatest champion in Ring of Honor history, Adam Cole. Bay Bay, the only three-time ROH world champion. So Huckleberry at 18th anniversary, March 13th, Roosh versus Mark Haskins for the ROH world championship. What do you think? Uh, I, I think I don't want to be Mark Haskins here. Uh, you know, what's, what's, what's pretty funny, though, is following either the great conversations or debates and the uproar, if you will, following Goldberg's big win at, at Blood Money, they had a ring of honor and AEW making sure to get their, get their uh, championships back down in that 30 range, right? Yeah. <laughs> or the 20s and 30s. Yeah, absolutely. Roosh and Haskins should be a good match, even though they don't necessarily have any heat. Be interesting to see if they do anything between now and Friday the 13th to build a little bit. Also on the show, Lethal Suction versus the team of Marty and Flip, representing Villain Enterprises for the ROH Tag Team Championships. Dragon Lee versus Bandito in a dot, 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 dive classic for the TV championship. Adam Brooks versus Slex. Jimmy will be happy to know Slex's finally going to get his first win. Then we have the Briscoes versus the team of Dalton Castle and Joe Hendry. Kenny King versus Dan Moff versus Bateman versus Shane Taylor. Winner gets a shot at a title of his choice, which will be interesting. And we also have Nicole Savoy versus Session Moth Martina. Huckleberry, I just don't get Session Moth Martina, but she seems like she's your type of girl. Actually, uh, I'm, I'm not a big fan. Yeah, I'm I'm not a big fan either. She just does absolutely nothing for me. It's one of those things I I don't necessarily like the look, and I there's just like a disconnect with the character. Yeah. Uh, I, but real quick on that, I guess which is worse, the women of honor or the, the AEW division? Oh, women of honor, like by far. It, I mean, you could put like Big Swole into the women of honor, and she would be the best one, like by a mile. And she's like the third or fourth woman on the AEW roster right now. Such a shame. Yeah. It's a, just an absolute disaster, that entire division. Let's talk about ROH past versus present. That's going down on March 14th, the night after the anniversary show. Um, 
Rick, this card is just fascinating to me. Uh, Alex Shelley and Matt Seidel versus Marty Skrull and Flip Gordon, representing Villain Enterprises. Xavier versus Jay Lethal. Homicide versus Brody King when what promises to be Huckleberry's match of the weekend. I can't freaking wait for that thing. Doug Williams versus Jonathan Gresham, which should be fantastic. Delirious and Grizzly Redwood versus Joe Hendry and Dalton Castle. The Havana Pitbulls versus Mexablood, Sumi Sakai versus Nicole Savoy, and an ROH past versus present match, which could have happened, you know, last weekend on any of the shows that we saw. John Walters versus Mark Haskins and Huckleberry. Your main event, brother versus brother, Briscoe versus Briscoe. Mark Briscoe takes on Jay Briscoe. I mean, th- this is going to be. A nightmare, a fantastic nightmare. What's What's good about this is, you know, they're not going to hold back. I, we've seen this before. These two are just going to absolutely rip into one another, and then afterwards they'll hug it out and they'll go back to kicking everyone else's ass. It's great. I love the Briscoes. It's so good. Uh, let's talk some WWE Huckleberry. Like you said, you did the uh, review show with Big Ray Hernandez for Super Showdown. Um, and there, but there's a couple things that happened on SmackDown that that, that we just got to talk about. Uh, and I guess it all goes back to Super Showdown. Goldberg defeats The Fiend, and people kind of collectively lost their minds. I wasn't necessarily opposed to it until I saw what they did on SmackDown as the follow-up. Um, you, which one do you want to start with? Do you want to start with Goldberg, or do you want to start with The Fiend? You lead the way. You lead the way here. I, I've got, uh, especially now, you know, in the moment, as you know, sitting there doing the review with Big Ray, it, I was okay with it as well. Yeah, I know the direction they're going in here. I, I couldn't really believe that. Obviously, people are going to freak out about anything, especially when you bring back a star like Goldberg to to put them over in this in this fashion. But you, you got to look at the bigger picture. And I couldn't believe that so many people were missing that point and missing the you know what the end game is going to be here. Uh, I was I was satisfied with the outcome at Super Showdown. I, I take the show for what it is. They did some business throughout the throughout the evening. I thought was fine. Uh, then it really and I was. And it was what it was truly all about on Friday. I hadn't paid much attention to to SmackDown, uh, and I, you know I'm sitting there trying to defend these decisions. And it is you begin to lay this out for me. And since I have gone and watched it, absolutely infuriating. It, it, and bottom line, the laziest maneuvering and creative that we have seen from WWE, it, possibly ever. And it is to a point here, it is 100% obvious that they just don't, they, they, they're just not even trying anymore. They absolutely do not give a shit. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so let's start with Goldberg. Goldberg comes out, kicks off SmackDown, and basically says it's not about who's last, it's about who's next. And he stands there and he blankly stares at the, at the, the stage for <laughs> SmackDown Live. Before finally, Roman Reigns' music hits, and Roman Reigns walks down to the ring, looking as uninterested as he possibly can, but he has a beard, so we know that this is dickhead Roman, and he gets in the ring, and all he says is, I'm next, and they stare at each other, and scene, 
Are you fucking kidding me? For one of your WrestleMania main events? This is the build? I'm next? Absolutely. Uh, lowest common denominator booking at its finest here. I, I, I just Maybe even beyond that or below that, if you will. You've got outrage across the board. You know, I'm even getting this from the reason you bring in a Goldberg is for that wider appeal to try to bring in that that not so much you know the smart but the mark audience. That's what you're there with. I but I've talked to some individuals that are even seeing through that themselves. Like oh Goldberg, I mean, it's showing his age. I, I'm okay with all of that. But even it does even inside of that, you, you've got people buzzing about this thing. Wouldn't you at least want to try to to put together some sort of program to get people to buy into this thing, even to, to hook some of those naysayers that could get into a story of sorts, and then you're just arbitrarily going to run this BS out here, this hot garbage. Just baffling, man. Baffling. And the only thing, hey. the, 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 the one like saving grace of this thing that I hear everybody talking about now, oh, it's going to be spear versus spear. The only spear anybody is going to give a fuck about at WrestleMania is the one that Edge is going to hit on Randy Orton. Nobody gives a fuck about Roman versus Goldberg. So, Rick, I guess the question is, we try to make things better. I don't know how we're going to do it this time around, but I'm going to ask the question. How do we avoid Goldberg versus Roman Reigns for the championship of the universe becoming Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar from WrestleMania 20. Because even in the brief exchange we saw on SmackDown Live, the only chant that I heard was, you both suck. Yeah, it, it, this goes back to trying, this is what you're going to get from these audiences. And going some weeks back, uh, maybe a month ago back, when you and I were talking about, you know, what does it take to put together a WrestleMania car? You know, what are your objectives? Who are you featuring? We talked about this potential match, and you had mentioned that then, and I I kind of went against the grain with you on that when I said this 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 has to be about storytelling. They're going to have to get people invested into this thing, and immediately out of the gate, what do they do? They shoot themselves in the foot here. This is about the, the laziest, lowest form that they possibly could have presented. Well, you say that. I, you say I'm that. Curious. No, I'm curious now if this if there is a potential to save it. I don't think there is. But you know, you say that that's the laziest thing they could possibly do, and John Cena's like, "Hold my beer, bro." Yes, just when you think it can't get any worse. John Cena goes out and John Cena does John Cena things. He cuts one hell of a promo and he says what everybody is thinking. He basically buries Goldberg while he's standing in the middle of the ring talking about how I'm not doing WrestleMania because I don't want to take somebody's spot from somebody who's been here busting their ass 52 weeks a year. Like he basically goes out there. It's like if this would have been John Cena versus Goldberg, this could have been the promo that John Cena cut to bury Bill Goldberg. But instead, he buries himself because after he says, I'm not doing WrestleMania, I don't want to take anybody's spot, and he makes his exit, 
the lights go out and there's the fiend and even the fiend gets the fucking memo from corporate that you gotta point at the sign John Cena nods and tips his cap and that's the build for the fucking fiend versus John Cena are you fucking shitting me at least Roman Reigns says I'm next at least we got like a verbal altercation we got a tip of the cap and a point at the fucking sign Hey, man, Hogan must pose, right? You got to point the sign. Motherfucker! Now, to see, for for the same reasons that you loved the Cena promo, I absolutely hated it. You're exposing your own business. You have just essentially, it, it, you've already ran out there, lowest common denominator booking in your championship bout, the universal championship bout, and then just to just to reassure what you've already established and people not caring and that you don't care, what do you do? You have John Cena, the face that runs the place, arguably one of the greatest of WWE superstars of all time. You have him go out there and, and just reconfirm why everyone should be shitting on that match. And, and even more so. He's there because you know, there's people that are there 52 weeks a year. They're busting their butt. They they want that spot. Well, in the long run, if it be Goldberg, if it be Cena himself, all he did is remind everyone that, yeah, there's people that are here night in, night out that are doing town, the town that are busting their asses at the live events that, that are making TV, that are going to the pay-per-views. They're still not good enough to handle a WrestleMania. So, yes, that's why Bill and that's why – John himself are there. I think John finally got around to listening to the CM Punk and Colt Cabana interview and just basically regurgitated everything that Punk said during the Cabana interview. And and that was his promo. And to me, it's it just not it just doesn't, you know, give the fans more reason to to shit all over Roman Reigns and Goldberg. It just reminds you that there are no true stars inside of this company. It's all cookie cutter. Plug one in where you need it to be done. Yeah, and it was more of a it's more of a slap in the face to those people that are actually there fifty two weeks a year because they're not getting it done. And why aren't they getting it done? Because another slap in the face to the ignorance and the laziness of management. And you know when I I didn't watch Super Showdown because I don't watch the Saudi Arabia shows and everybody knows that. But when I heard that Goldberg had beat the fiend, I was like, okay, I don't like it, but I get it because they need that marquee for WrestleMania because Brock Lesnar versus Drew McIntyre might be a fantastic match, but the mainstream audience has no idea who Drew McIntyre is. Right. So at at least with Drew, you got the look, right? When you see that up there, you can say, okay, this guy looks like he can, he can beat up Brock Lesnar, but what are you going to put on the poster? Okay, well, Goldberg is now the universal champion. John Cena has 16 world championships, and he's returning on SmackDown the next night. So clearly, in my mind, we're doing Goldberg versus John Cena at WrestleMania for the championship of the universe, for John Cena to break the record and all this other bullshit. And I don't like it, but I understand. It makes sense to me. And instead, we get John Cena versus the corporate fiend 
and Goldberg versus Roman Reigns. And, you know, Big Ray, going back to the review show, we closed it out. We both were we were on top of this. Uh, we were excited. And for the same reasons that you just mentioned there, Jar, I mean, it, it doesn't need to be, you know, it's not going to be that that five star that, that so many people are clamoring for. It was going to sell this event. It was going to get the PR and it should have been Goldberg and John Cena. I mean, everyone would have been picking this thing up. All the talk show rounds, you know, Good Morning America, TMZ. You, you would have had this across FS1, ESPN. This would have been everywhere. You know, Fox themselves, to have this thing highlighted on their weekly programming, they would have been cross-promoting this thing, dance car events. Uh, anything that they that they got going on right now, be college basketball, whatever the hell they got their hands in. Well, and Roman Reigns versus The Fiend. You can do that sixth from the top on a 15-match card. And, yeah, people aren't going to be happy that we're getting Bray Wyatt versus Roman Reigns, but they're not going to shit all over it. In fact, they're going to be intrigued. Can Superman beat the Fiend? Well, and then you've got the history there. Right. You know, that, that Bray that promised would never forget and it would never leave Roman alone. Anyone but you, Roman. Anyone but you. But ultimately, what this is and what people need to realize is they're freaking out. There's one agenda. And it's the same reason, and you've been all over this thing. It's the same reason that we've had eight months of Baron Corbin versus Roman Reigns. It's because at all costs, we need to try to do something where they will not boo, or the, uh, the masses will not boo Roman Reigns. So this turns more into a, a situation last year where we saw at WrestleMania, where it wasn't necessarily people rooting for Seth Rollins. It's that you're rooting against Goldberg. It could have been, not Goldberg, uh, Lesnar. Anybody to take that title. And that's what they're doing here. But I don't think it's going to work. I think it's going to be, you both suck. It becomes Brock Lesnar versus Bill Goldberg from WrestleMania 20. Absolutely. And what does that do to the stock price? Um, you know, speaking of I got to check that, see how we're doing today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, got a feeling it could be rough. So let's talk about Monday Night Raw. It's the Elimination Chamber go-home episode. Yeah, I know. There's a pay-per-view on Sunday. Uh, there's a whole whopping three matches announced. It might be the worst build to a pay-per-view in history, but we got all kinds of shit that we got to build. So tonight's Monday Night Raw is actually fucking loaded. It's going to start things off. Asuka versus Shayna Baszler. In a women's match, both of these women are going to be inside the Elimination Chamber. It's the two most dominant women in NXT history. Rick, if this match was happening on NXT, I would be really excited. On Monday Night Raw, I expect they're going to get six minutes with a four-minute commercial break in between. Uh, I don't even think we're going to get the match. You think something goes haywire beforehand? Well, if... If she all this shit she's been talking running around here, Becky doesn't let the bell ring in this thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Shayna never makes it to the ring. You know, you, you you run a big game here, Becky. Let's back it up, right? We're gonna have a now or never challenge. Yeah, I've never heard of that either. I had to look in to see what this was. Rick, it's going to be the Street Profits versus the Monday Night Messiah, Seth Rollins, and no longer my buddy Murphy for the Raw Tag Team Championships. And they're either going to win them or they can never challenge for the Raw Tag Team Championships again. It's now or never. 
very interesting. I like I, it. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm liking that one. I like it. I like this match a lot, too. Alistair Black versus AJ Styles tonight on Monday Night Raw with basically no fucking build, with basically no fucking advertisement. And this could be a main event basically on any show that's not WrestleMania throughout the course of the year if you put all of about, you know, five minutes worth of effort into it. Well, we've had a little build here. I mean, it's certainly not what it could be, but you've had the interaction there with with the club in black and then AJ, you know, taking it to taking the boots to him last week. Uh, but it, it really seems like all of this is, is quite lost in what we've seen now transpire between the undertaker and AJ styles and, and where people want to move towards. Everybody is predicting. And it seems basically set in stone that AJ styles is going to wrestle the undertaker at WrestleMania. I would love to see them pivot. I would love to see tonight. You see Undertaker come out and prevent this from happening, right? But I want to see it end up being Aleister Black versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Give that match to somebody that, number one, portrays all the same characteristics that AJ does. AJ doesn't need that match to get that Undertaker rub, but it would do a hell of a lot for Aleister Black. And Rick, you know, we talk about, you know, small guys create a lot of movement, very, very precise in their actions. But Aleister Black has one other aspect in his game that AJ doesn't, and that's the MMA background. I actually think Aleister Black versus The Undertaker could be a fantastic match. It, typically, you know, I, you know, going back, you know, so many people would just try to just go with the, well, you know, give the young star the rub. He, he needs it there. And, and of course, 100% you're right. AJ doesn't need it. But to still to have that on your resume, that you know, when the career is said and done, you look back at your achievements and what you were able to to be a, a part of, you know, to wrestle The Undertaker at WrestleMania in itself is, is a championship. It's something you can hang your hat on, especially at this stage of the game. Uh, but. 100%. If you were going to pivot, I could absolutely see going to Alistair back, as you said, bring so much to the table as AJ Styles is going to go out there and be able to carry, I would say carry, but uh, the perfect dance partner. Create a lot of movement. That's what you need. Give, well, one of those final great matches that we're going to remember, that we're going to be talking about late in his career. Oh, man, you know, that send-off. One of those great send-offs at WrestleMania, that match with Alistair Black. And as you talk about the comparison with the character, I think this that truly would be a tremendous passing of the torch. And I think it would be easier for Undertaker because I don't think he would have to take nearly as many bumps. Like him and Aleister Black could actually get on the mat and have like an MMA style exchange that leads to the finish, you know, whether it be what, what's that damn submission, the hell's gate. Isn't that mm -hmm. what the undertaker calls it? You know, that's how you yeah. end up finishing the match, but you know, it's much more a ground based mat kind of style as opposed to AJ and his high powered, high impact offense. I think it would actually be better for the undertaker. Well, I think, you know, when we switch those gears, I think undertaker goes over AJ fine. Now, I'd like to, you know, talk it out a little more and, and sit and think about it. But, you know, my initial thought would be the, to put Black over in that match. Interesting. As, as a, that true passing of that torch in that, that darker kind of figure. Yep. I mean, that, that would absolutely be the conversation going on and the justification for Aleister Black winning that match. So at least there's some intrigue going into it, you know. 
Uh, also tonight, Rey Mysterio and Humberto take on the team of Andrade and Angel Garza. Huckleberry, it's the Lucha House Party for the U.S. title. That's basically what's going on here. We're just setting it up. It's the Lucha House Party without the Lucha House Party. And and the uh, what's what's his name? Pedro the the donkey. Yeah. Or I'm sorry, C. There you go. Yeah, that that's kind of my thoughts on this one too. Yeah. Uh, also tonight on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, your WWE champion, Barack Lesnar, is going to be on the show tonight. Huckleberry, what do you think? Is he going to come out and gloat about how he beat Ricochet in a minute and a half? I think it's time to move on, you know? It's time to go full steam. You know, you're talking about one of the... As we sit on a Monday morning or a Monday morning and we're looking back at WrestleMania, uh, it, it, you got to believe that headline is going to be the, the, the true coming out party. Uh, the making of a star in Drew McIntyre. You got to go full steam ahead right now on that. Do we get a Brock Lesnar match on Sunday? Like, do you get like a rematch of like Ricochet and Brock Lesnar on Sunday or something? Somebody that Brock can just go out and squash again, just so that people will actually watch the show. Because right now there's three matches announced that nobody cares about. No, I don't think you waste uh, a payday on, on Brock on this thing. You're going to hold off. And I don't, th- I don't think that's enough of a draw for it. Uh, you've already you've already dumped all over this card. No one absolutely cares about it. You've gimmicked the hell out of the chambers. This is this is um, just trying to you know to grub up any of those just last pennies that they can. Or hell, this might for all intents and purposes, this might be the last pay per view on the network or at last marquee event on the network. I've got one more big matchup that I want to throw into consideration for the Elimination Chamber, and that is Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy returns on WWE Backstage this Tuesday night on FS1. And, Rick, this can go one of two ways. I either want Jeff Hardy to challenge Randy Orton to a match this Sunday at Elimination Chamber after what Randy Orton has done to Matt Hardy, or... I just want to see Randy Orton show up and RKO the fuck out of Jeff Hardy on WWE backstage. But, you know, that we could go in that direction and it that completely plays into the story that's being told there with Orton, you know, taking out some, not just vets, but, you know, those that, that he came up with that were there, you know, when he was on his rise. Uh, but speaking of, of Randy Orton, something else that we're going to get tonight, and I was really hoping that they would hold off and maybe run this out as a surprise at some point on NXT programming. Uh, Beth Phoenix, Edge's wife, is going to be making an appearance on Raw to discuss the the health status, if you will, of, of Edge. I, I know they wouldn't go this far here, but I hope that they do something tease the fuck out of her. And that's what I was going to say. I, I almost wanted this to be done on NXT. Out of nowhere, she's sitting there at the table and just come out in the Viper Strikes. What if, what if tonight on Monday Night Raw, he goes to, tonight, he goes to hit the RKO and he has her in position and he has her by the head and he lets her go. He thinks twice about it and he decides, no, I'm not that kind of a monster. I'm not going to RKO Beth Phoenix. And then he shows up Wednesday night and fucking RKO's the fuck out of her at NXT. I absolutely, absolutely would love that. I was, I was trying to play it out my, 
in my mind how they could get to that point where you could get that that heat and that almost moment. And I was trying to think, you know, if it could be somebody like a, like an Oscar where Orton's got a hired gun that goes out and attacks Beth and then set her up with the with her head in the chair as if he's going to stomp. Nice. Yeah. And like then back too. off. Yeah. And then back off. Yeah. So we can get three nights of RKO. It's kind of like the 12 days of Christmas, right? Tonight you get the the attempted RKO on Beth Phoenix. Tuesday night you get the RKO on WWE backstage on Jeff Hardy. Wednesday night he shows up and RKOs the fuck out of Beth Phoenix. And you know what? Just for good measure, he hits Morrow with one too. He doesn't touch Nigel though because I'm pretty sure Randy likes Nigel. There's nothing really going on on Thursday. Is there anybody on SmackDown you want to see RKO'd? I mean, like, let's just make it like, you know, the week of Randy Orton. Oh, I mean, who who doesn't deserve a RKO over on SmackDown? Well, John Cena. I mean, because eventually we have to get another Randy Orton versus John Cena. So we might as well just go ahead and start planting the seeds, right? Uh, let's talk about NXT this week as we wrap things up. Rick, we've got two steel cage matches on the same show. That's a two-hour show. It's going to be Tegan Knox versus Dakota Kai in a steel cage because it went so well in a street fight at TakeOver Portland. Um, What do you think? Are you looking forward to this match, or did Portland just check you out on this program? Uh, I think this is a bit of an overkill. A little gimmick doc. Going into it, that was a match I was really looking forward to. I thought it was a tremendous build. Great work from both of those ladies. But again, it just shows, and it's nothing against them. It's just you don't need to have 125 five pound people in a street fight instead we're going to get them in a steel cage in a steel cage you know what i will give them thinking about why they're double booking this cage here uh you think it it has to do with time doesn't it because they're not going to be able to lower a cage at full sail they're going to build this thing aren't they yeah yeah they've only done it a couple yeah so instead of and were they at full sail well yeah i mean that's the easiest thing uh, you, you know, regularly, I've seen this at indie shows. It's all about when you bring in that cage. It's about the, where the placement where you put this thing on the card, which you usually see because it takes a, a quite a bit of time to put that bad boy up and to get it down. So you'll regularly see it, essentially what it creates is almost two intermissions for indie shows. Now, granted, you know, WWE is going to be a little more precise and they're going to have, you know, the pin operated cages instead of the straps and all that stuff. But it's still going to take some time. So while you got it up there, you know, you, hopefully you get it up in an extended commercial break and then you're not really wasting time with it. You just go back to back on them. Also in a steel cage, Roderick Strong versus Velveteen Dream. And Rick, I'm still confused about how I'm supposed to feel about this program, because as I'm watching this thing play out, Roderick Strong very much feels like the baby face to me. And Velveteen Dream just comes across as a total dick. Absolutely. It, it, it's, I guess it's fair to make the comparisons, but I mean, this is like telling us back in the day that we were supposed to be cheering for Rick Rude and booing Jake Roberts. Yeah, it just it feels very, very disconnected to me. Um, Rick, before we get out of here today, I did want to go back to NXT last week because we had a big matchup between your lady, the Queen of Queens, Charlotte taking on the EST of NXT, Bianca Belair. Um, I thought the match was pretty good. Uh, But after the match, Charlotte again attacks Bianca Belair, and they caught up with Charlotte. This is a WWE exclusive. I want to play this for you, of Charlotte's comments uh, regarding Bianca Belair. 
Charlotte Flair victorious tonight over the EST in your first NXT match back in over four years. But why did you attack Bianca Belair after the match? Because mm. I can. I mean, here's the thing. When I was in NXT four years ago, I didn't show up on Raw or SmackDown and say, hey, Nikki Bella, I'm going to face you. Hey, Brie Bella, I'm going to face you. Hey, Alicia Fox and Natalya. Like, no, I had more respect than that. The ladies down here in NXT think they can just come up there, put their bags wherever they want, not shake our hands, come up there and say, oh, I'm going to face you. You're going to put the title that I put on the map in my face? And then Bianca is going to be a sore loser and say, oh, I, Charlotte Flair, I want to face you? That's what you want to do? Okay. Well, you saw what happened tonight. I do what I want when I want. So Charlotte feels disrespected. Yeah, she, she doesn't like these NXT girls coming up to Monday Night Raw and challenging people and, and then saying that they want to match with somebody that's on Raw down in NXT. And Rick, Charlotte just comes across as a bitch. So are, are, is this like a full board, like heel turn for Charlotte? Because like the way it kind of feels like they're trying to play this is like Charlotte's a baby face on Raw and a heel in NXT. I I'm feel so confused right now. Well, it's, it's almost as they're trying to present, you know, going back to something similar. It's like a Survivor Series where, you know, Charlotte's trying to represent Raw or what that. So if you're a fan of that brand, then you should be cheering her there. And then when she goes to NXT, it, to me, again, what you're doing is you're confusing the whole situation. And, and ultimately, your fans are going to lose interest in that. But it, it, it's going to take a lot to bear this because people are really behind this thing. Uh, but it's those small little details like that that's where you begin to lose, where you begin to lose people. Um, inside the match itself, again, Belair didn't. I, I thought she was booked strong enough in this thing. They got enough offense where she still looks great. She still looks good coming out of this thing. I it it was a little perplexing to see Charlotte continue to go at her. Uh, what is her direction? What is their plan with Belair? To me, it, to me, they're really missing out on an opportunity on such a bright rising star. Uh, probably the hottest young star, the rising star inside of the entire company with Bel Air right now. And it seems that they're, they're falling a little short here. Ultimately coming out of last week, who really, who really lost out, who took a step backwards to me was Ripley. Uh, as she comes out there, you see, there is no sense of urgency on her behalf to get to that ring and, and help out Bel Air. Well, she's got to do that big kick during her entrance and shit. Well, I was going to say, you know, that would be okay if, if Ripley was staying true to who she is and who what, what that persona is supposed to be, uh, is that lone wolf, that badass. But all I've heard from you, you know, pre-Survivor Series is how you're the locker room leader, how you represent NXT, how it's just going back. We There's a little saying around here, we are NXT, where she drops that, and her and Belair take out Charlotte Cup just a couple weeks ago. Well, where is that? Where is that mindset? This all goes back to when she won the championship and they flooded the ring. And we said yes. at the time that that was bad for that character. It was just out of her character. And it's like they're trying to turn her into Captain Drew Galloway when he was an impact or something. And it doesn't work. She's an anti-authority babyface who's now the face of the freaking company brand. Oh my God, she's Becky Lynch. We've said this over and over and over. It's just, it's not working. Uh, absolutely, and that's that's what really that's where this whole thing fell apart for me. But I enjoyed the match and all that. And as I said, still, 
and at least, you know, they're going full forward with this program. Whereas you'd mentioned, you know, Becky, this whole thing with the chamber come with the reason no one cares is because there's no re- Baser has to win this thing. And that's what we want to get moving forward to. We don't care about this nonsense of these other competitors and can't Baszler survive this thing. Just get to what we came for. Get to the meat and potatoes. The other thing that I thought was interesting, even though I'm sure that you will disagree with me, I'm absolutely positive that they did Charlotte versus Bianca Belair as the main event on NXT because they knew that they were up against the go-home episode for Revolution. They knew people were going to be watching AEW, so they put Charlotte on that show to pull in numbers and to pull in ratings. And hopefully this has been a humbling experience for Charlotte Flair because the rating didn't move at all. That, absolutely. Uh, and I, I don't want to completely disagree with you there. I mean, there's other factors. I'm not going to place this all on her. Uh, but, hey, it was up against... Yeah, as you said, uh, a tremendous dynamite. And that closing segment on the way in, I I was even wondering, like, okay, how is this going to come off? I, they knocked it out of the park with that way in on dynamite. That, that thing was incredible. Didn't move the numbers at all. Just saying. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit the other platform you may not be listening to, whether it be the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, or Hameen Media online, hackerhameen.podbean.com. Visit our partners over at thegorillaposition.com, where they tell the story of pro wrestling storytellers. Visit lastwordonprowrestling.com for the latest news, including some breaking news regarding Matt Hardy and declaring his free agency as... Um, then, of course, NDPW.com for all the latest news from around the world of independent professional wrestling. Visit our sponsors, Vince Russo's The Brand, Stevie Richards Fitness.com, and, of course, ProWrestlingTees.com. Find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo, RBV. How do the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks find you? <sighs> well, I'll tell you where you cannot find me ever, ever again. And it is that, that great that great local watering hole, Babes Cafe. Never again, but you can keep up with me across all social media platforms at The Real RBV. We'll talk to you later on this week for a new edition of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Of course, Mondays in the locker room, hackerhotmean.podbean.com. But for now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Crunch your fingers. Label me. Don't give up.
bad guy. Fire! 